Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. So welcome to the New Habits Podcast. This week, our guest is Caruana Gatimu from Microsoft. Welcome, Caruana. Hi, thank you for having me. This is, uh, it's our pleasure. And also on the podcast is our pan- our panel. Usually I'm a member of the panel today. I'm, the, I'm leading the panel. So on our panel is Wes Hackett and Susie Dean. So welcome to Wes and Susie. And so before we get started, Caruana, will you tell us about yourself, uh, introduce yourself and what's your role and uh, what you're working on these days? Sure. I'm happy to do that. So I work on Microsoft Teams. I'm a Microsoft Teams engineering, actually, a really fun place to work. And I'm in charge of worldwide adoption, certification, training. I do all of our community management. Uh, I'm the leader of the customer advocacy group. And we spend a lot of time focused on the quality of the product, getting feedback from customers, analyzing that feedback. And we do a, a lot of work helping customers to build new habits, <laughs> to onboard to the product. Uh, and, you know, I, I come from the SharePoint world and, and a lot of ECM stuff before that. So I've been in this space a really long time and uh, I'm, I'm certainly enjoying myself with all the uh, evolution of the products that we're seeing between, across Office 365. And so the you, you mentioned the, some of that customer adoption a bit, and if I recall correctly, you have a video or two that folks might be able to to access, right? Yes, I do. I'm the producer of a show on YouTube called Coffee in the Cloud, and Coffee in the Cloud is a channel that gives uh, long form training. And it gives short form kind of tech tips about Microsoft Teams and all of our better together scenarios like Teams in SharePoint or Teams in Yammer. And uh, we also do interviews, um, which I happen to love doing uh, with influencers around the business, uh, a lot of women in tech, things of that nature. So check it out and subscribe. I think you'll enjoy it. Perfect. And um I think it was the the last session that we recorded of New Habits. We were talking about the number of Teams training resources that there that that are available now, uh, and alongside your own uh, Coffee in the Cloud um, sort of service, if we can call it that. Uh, I know that there are a number of other uh, sort of uh, training outlets and information outlets that people can access. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Because we know that certainly for our own engagement engagement with customers, we often get people saying where can I find out more? Where can I read? And we will say, well, there's loads of material, um, but people don't always know about them. Yes, that's absolutely true. Well, there's, if they're doing anything around Teams um, and certainly around kind of Microsoft 365 in general, they should really start uh, at the freshly launched kind of unification page for all of that adoption material. Uh, and for your listeners, that's HTTPS, aka.ms, Microsoft Adoption. And they can get started there and learn about the adoption framework for M365, but they can get specific resources for Teams and SharePoint and OneDrive and Yammer. Um, Also, we've just released a new great resource for people to read up on and get started around security and compliance. Um, Doing a lot of Teams adoption projects, I find people can get stuck in that security and compliance area. So we wanted to pull all of those resources together in one handy flipbook, and that's available on that Microsoft adoption page. Um, another thing that we're super excited about is the new uh, M365 Learning Pathways. And that's um, an end-user configurable training site that people can put in their own SharePoint Online 
uh, instance and get end user training on whatever application they might be using. They might be using, you know, Office, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, things like that, as well as Teams and things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, SharePoint. And so we're really trying to pull this all together so that people can find these resources more easily. Um, you know, a lot of IT pros, if they've been working in Teams, they, they're familiar with our successwithteams.com website. Um, you can get to that through that Teams flipbook. You don't have to remember it. <laughs> but I was really trying to create with the Teams adoption kit that single doorway, you know, into all the resources. Because to your point, I like I remember being a customer of Microsoft and I had this huge folder on my Internet browser, um, if, you know, IE, whatever that was at the back of the day. And it was all these different bookmarks of stuff to find. And it was really difficult. So, um, you know, it's not perfect yet, but we're definitely working on it with that new Microsoft adoption page. Great. And if our listeners uh, check that out, where can they feed back to you? Uh, uh, on the site itself and within the um, all the resources, there is a link to our user voice. We have a dedicated user voice now for adoption and training tools, uh, and it's aka.ms adoption tools. And they can make suggestions for new materials. They can give us feedback on existing ones. Um, and they can always find us out on the Microsoft technical community in the driving adoption forum. As a matter of fact, if they follow that blog that I write out there in driving adoption, they will get notifications about new training resources, this launch page, uh, just the blog post went live this morning. They can really stay up to date on all these kinds of resources kind of in one place. So technical community is my favorite spot for all of that. Uh, the, you listed a lot of resources there. So having one spot will certainly be helpful, especially someone like me who can't remember more than two things at a time. Yep. But Just remember what, drive adoption and you'll be good. Come excellent. there, read the announcements, click over to the page. You know what I mean? It, it, but, you know, it's true. It's, it, it is a lot. <laughs> and, and that's a huge simplification, everything I just rattled off. So you can imagine how it was before. Yeah. So now uh, you and I have a, a personal history. Right? We worked together many years back. And I know that yes. you had actually spent some time on uh, in the Amber team working on adoption there. So uh, what do you tell folks who will want to know, should I be using Teams or when should I use Yammer or SharePoint, obviously, right? So it's always the age old question. What do I use for what? So what, what advice do you give people about trying to decide the proper tool? Ah, well, first off, I try to have them stop thinking about tools and start thinking about their employees. You know, it's really about simplifying that end user employee experience. And I find that most questions about service strategy or, or service roadmaps or what to use when kind of fades to the background when you put the human in the center. So that's really the first thing I always tell people. Um, and when that human is in the center, then I want to know about the collection of humans in a customer's place. How big are they? Right? Are they greater than 5,000 people? Do they already have an investment in Yammer? What are they doing for their internet? How do they get news out and keep people feeling connected? I'd like to understand what's happening there because I really feel like Teams is not intended to be a replacement for Yammer. That's not what it's for. Uh, Teams is that inner loop of communication where people are like getting work done together. Um, you know, hey, did you update the deck? You know, please review this document, that sort of thing. Yammer, even inside Microsoft, for instance, we use it broad communities of interest. Um, we, have a, we have a Yammer team for Microsoft Teams that provides support for the service because we have more people than obviously will fit in an organization-wide team. But I was working with someone the other day 
their organization was uh, about 23, 2,500 people. And they didn't have a deep investment in Yammer and they were getting started with teams. And so my recommendation to them was go ahead and provision that org wide team, get everybody together in one place and then use the SharePoint news announcements functions and the modern communication sites to create that uh, communications hub. And it will also simplify that end user experience. So where you're starting from has a whole lot of influence on where you should go. Um, but there are things like hard limits, like obviously in Microsoft Teams, you can only have a team up to 5,000 people. So if you're larger than that, Yammer definitely has a place uh, in your strategy for broad communication. But I really want people to um, work on their SharePoint news implementation. Those modern communication sites, um, all the announcements we just did at SharePoint conference uh, for home and hub sites and other things, you know, that's a beautiful way to share information. So pins right inside of Teams and life is good. So um, let's turn to the sort of gnarlier subject of uh, adoption and onboarding and, and training, because I think a lot of these words can be used interchangeably. Um, from the Microsoft perspective and working with um, the product group and uh, other MVPs, we often hear the language of uh, adopting teams, because of course, from the vendor perspective, that's one of the metrics that is tracked. Um, but of course, when we work with customers, they're talking about adoption to meet a specific business outcome. So, you know, we want to deliver better customer service or we want to respond to our RFPs uh, faster and in a more streamlined way. So, how do you, um, if you were the customer for the day or if you were advising the customer, how would you um, sort of design that journey and that experience because a bit like the connection between Microsoft and customers, we tend to find IT are thinking about use of this platform because they have to justify ROI and their investment in the software. But then we see the business who are thinking very much about their problems and day-to-day -day challenges. So how would you advise a business to sort of um, unpick that problem and start to get some benefit? Absolutely. That, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking that one. I don't get people asking me that question enough because I'm super passionate about the fact that we have to absolutely stop talking about how many people are using food technology. I don't ever want to talk about that again because it doesn't matter uh, in my estimation. I know that's an odd thing to hear from a Microsoft employee, but here's the thing. It's not good enough for us to just get you to have teams deployed. And often that's what an IT department or, you know, sometimes other folks are counting. And I appreciate that. If you're going through a Skype for business migration to teams, then obviously having teams deployed is a very good thing. But what are people doing with it? Right. The, the perspective of business in this case is the appropriate way to measure success. Um, in my service adoption specialist course that I wrote uh, that's available out on edX, there's a section on success measures. And while you do want to understand usage, you know, the, the telemetry that's built into the Office 365 Admin Center is important to look at like healthy meeting index and the, and the health of your calling experience and video experience. That's all important quality metrics that we provide uh, in the administration experience. That's very much an IT operational view of the product. 
when IT is working with their business leaders, and they should be doing this implementation together, they should define up front what uh, success metrics are about. Are they able to increase RFP response, you know, by 15%? Are they able to reduce customer service calls or the time to resolution? Those business metrics are absolutely essential to knowing whether or not your team's deployment was done in a robust and truly useful manner to business. So adoption for me is, uh, even though it's in my title of my job and I wrote the team's adoption toolkit or whatever, um, I think that for me, it's really about business process transformation. And for me, that's what gets me up in the morning is you tell me a process in your business is broken and I will fix it with Office 365. Uh, And it's just, you know, because I'm also using all of the tools um, for, for a team's deployment to be successful. It's also important to be thinking about SharePoint, about forms, about flow, um, and about the integration with planner and, and the other office apps, as well as third party apps. That's a successful implementation. So um, one of the, so, um, I wholeheartedly agree with you that we have to decouple, uh, IT metrics from, from a rollout into a, into an organization. One of the, um, sort of rebuttals we hear quite a lot is, well, we're an organization of X thousand people and for our IT team to engage with every business leader or department or, um, working group, um, is just too intensive. We're going to do self-service instead. And at that point, we see the success really dip because why would anybody voluntarily um, disrupt their way of working, which unfortunately tends to be an email and file share when these projects kick off to, to take up something new. So um, lots of organizations find that really, really tricky to manage because you can see the point, but it doesn't stop it being true that you're more likely to fail if you haven't got that sort of more hands-on um, uh, approach to adoption. So what would you recommend to somebody or an organization wrestling with that challenge? I feel that usually when I encounter that, that's a project without an executive sponsor that's tying the evolution of the technology to a broader business initiative, whether it's being more agile, being more inclusive, driving culture change, uh, being more effective uh, on the competitive landscape. Technology is not done for the sake of technology. It's done because you're trying to resolve a problem or create an advantage. And if those two things aren't resonating for business, then maybe they're not ready, right? Maybe they're just not ready. Um, You know, I also think that it does require an investment on IT's part or on the organization's part to work with a partner to do that sort of engagement. But I also like to separate a couple of things. There's a lot of a value that you can get from Microsoft Teams by turning it on for everyone in your organization and allowing them to use chat and have modern meetings and, and do this. I, I'm not a fan of the self-service mode that dribbles teams out to the organization because the value of that um, becomes less. I mean, think of what it would be like if only 10% of the people in your company had email. 
how valuable would it be to you then? Right? So you really want to have some of those basic functions available for everyone in an organization. Um, and then there's more to do uh, from this business process transformation conversation we're talking about. I do separate it into these phases. In the adoption toolkit, we have start, experiment, and scale. And that's really meant to help people understand what the product can do for them and how they can make large scale governance decisions about the product, but after they've got their hands on it. Um, so, but we definitely advise that they make it available for everyone in the organization, have it be the default chat application, allow people to have meetings, uh, you know, voice over IP meetings within the product, modernize those core functions for everyone in your organization, and then start to look at how you can engage at, you know, moment by moment with the different business units if you have to do that, um, because that is where you're going to continue to iterate, right? You're going to onboard your sales group. You're going to give them modern meetings and chat. Then you're going to talk about how they respond to RFPs, but then you might want to talk about reporting. You might want to talk about onboarding new salespeople. You know, you're going to continue that engagement, and that does require a different sort of investment uh, from the IT department into those folks who can do that sort of business consulting. Do you think um, IT investment is enough? Because, uh, again, something we hear quite a lot of is IT saying, well, you know, I got the budget for the 365 licenses. That was my bit. Now for the business to use this, they need to put their their own budgets in. Um, and that, again, can be another catch-22 because why would the business dedicate money to something they don't yet understand the value of? Because we would expect that to be led or at least initiated by um, IT. So, um, how would you how would you deal with that sort of challenge? Um, I hear the tip you've already shared, which is get an exec sponsor. And I have to second that. My favorite line into uh, the teams here at Adam365 is if somebody said, no, you're asking the wrong person because anybody that's being targeted with the growth metric is going to be interested. You just probably haven't met them yet. Um, yes. But ha have you have you have you got any other uh, sort of um, uh, tips around how if this has been kicked out to the business, um, organizations could perhaps get the ball rolling on this um, sort of uh, team's rollout, uh, aside from the one you've already shared about getting an exec sponsor? Absolutely. It really goes back to the strategy that I have for putting users at the center of this process. I think the difficulty that you know, I, I spent a lot of time working in corporate IT. I worked in IT at Skechers. I worked in IT for a long time at Microsoft. Um, IT pros are my people. It's the persona that I lead at Microsoft um, in my area. And, and I feel like part of this is about IT transformation as well. Right. IT has to change the conversation that they're having with business leaders. And I find that whenever I have an IT professional who's going in and starting to talk about technology, I want to put a little rubber band on their wrist and snap it. Like every time you say a feature, I'm going to snap that rubber band on your wrist to get you to stop talking about technology because two things are happening. Most people can't envision what that feature is going to do for their people. So when you tell them about a lot of features, they don't really understand what you're talking about. And it simply reinforces the stereotypes that they have of modern IT professionals, uh, number one. And number two, you're off track from the people you're supposed to be helping. So the first thing is, is that IT professionals need to go make friends with their business uh, partners and listen, 
listen to them about their problems, listen about the business scenarios, listen about the experience of their users and become committed to improving that user's end result. Because then when you're talking about investing in something, you're not investing in a technology, you're investing in your own employees. And that's really critical at this moment in time. It's another MVP and there's many of them, but, but part of the conversation in the MVP community and, and with folks who do this kind of work is really needing to invest in the, in the next phase of digital literacy in our employees. Um, you know, they've been doing email for a really long time. They're comfortable. They know how to do that. Um, they may even be making SharePoint pages, maybe, but pretty much they're doing email and file shares. Uh, maybe they've evolved to, to a, you know, cloud service for file shares, but they're, they're really not uh, automatically, nor is it their job automatically, knowing how to use something new. So we've got to invest in them, but they won't, you know, get the benefit if we don't give them something they actually need. So at the end so, of the day, change that conversation, right? Sorry, Paul, go ahead. But, well, at the risk of getting a rubber band snapped on my wrist. Um, <laughs> the, the last was that abusive? The, was that non-inclusive? I, I just may have gotten myself in trouble with HR there. But, you know, stop uh, talking was, about features. That was geekist. <laughs> yeah. <I think> it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would think so. so I, I saw a talk last week at the European Collaboration Summit. A, a member of the marketing team was talking through how uh, one one feature of Teams was uh, like the hook to get users to do something and help. So I, at the risk of, of, of yes. talking feature wise, at some point, uh, a, a user needs to have incentive to move or we need some we need to raise our literacy by giving them something that's better than what yes. they've used before. So in your opinion, which of all the things that teams can do, do is your favorite number one and number two do you find one that helps people uh, adopt it better because there's something that's dramatically better than what they've had before oh i do think yeah i mean look amongst us professionals here in the shop we're going to talk about features all the time i think that when sarah can get a hold of bill and and have a persistent chat conversation and share files and do a whiteboard uh, and then a week later, go back and still see that conversation. I think that's meaningful. I think chat, either private chats, one-on-one -on -one, group chats or conversations and channels is transformative to the work experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a huge thing. Getting a little more esoteric. I mean, I think that the modern meeting experience is really important. And the fact that it does, when you can get folks to, to by default turn their video on, it really does improve communication in an organization. The modern meeting experience in Teams and the fact that I can do that from my mobile device with great quality is really important. Um, I, I really feel that the mobile app for Microsoft Teams is a big attraction, especially depending on someone's role. They're not at a desk all day like I am. You know, they're out in the field. Um, the quality of that mobile app is really uh, unbelievable. And one of the ones that doesn't get maybe enough mention is live events. I think a company can use live events to easily bring people together, to do training, to share results out. You know, of course, obviously we use live events for Satya's uh, keynote, you know, his Q&A every month. But even like division leaders can just bring their people together by using live events and it's recorded and there's moderated Q&A and there's live translation. And, you know, it's a really a fantastic tool. So I know you asked for one, but it's really about that modern communication. So if I if I had to pick a thing, you know, it would it would first it would be chat and then it would be the modern meeting. 
and then it would be live events. So that'll give you three features there and I'll snap a, a rubber band on my own wrist. But, uh, but you know, if I talk to a user community or business leader about that, I talk to the leader about, I ask them about how do they share results now? How do they roll out initiatives? How do they rally the troops around an objective you're trying to get? I talk to them about how they communicate today. And I try to share with them, wouldn't it be cool if they could actually see you? Wouldn't it be cool if you could have this for people to view at different times? Wouldn't it be great if this automatically translated to different languages, if you're in a worldwide org? Like those sorts of things, people are like, yeah, actually it would. Sometimes they're spending a lot more money on that elsewhere. And so it also represents a cost savings, you know, if they're, if they're doing it all in one place in teams. One of the, one of the things that, that I see doing, doing it day to day is that the everything in the kitchen sink problem in the Teams app is, is becoming an issue with, with users and, and, and employees and, and the way that you approach rolling that out because when Teams app first launched, it, it you know it had core features and it was you know in itself it was a new paradigm. There's a lot of new things that people weren't familiar with, and moving them out of Outlook and um, you know persuading them to have Teams app on the left and Outlook on the right, and that's a really good coexistence story yeah. for their you know workflow. But but now you know day to day the the team leaders are starting to you know they've got over the hump of moving over moving over to teams and having those chats and conversations and now they, they're becoming increasingly scared and worried that the direction of single pane of glass is actually getting in the way of the clarity they once had with the teams app and and, and it, it is it is quite dramatic if you're any form of leading role within the organization. So if you're in a, uh, you know, a community manager role and you, you're managing several communities or you're, you're some kind of senior leader who's, who's dipping in and out of lots of activities, the app space itself, the, the UX on that is becoming problematic. So, so where, do, where does the, the team's team draw the line at, at sort of, instead of bringing everything together into a single place, where do you see the kind of balance there of, well, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a teamwork local loop. We work together on this stuff, but actually we need to break out into the SharePoint intranet. We need to break out into a, a another service because it's, you know, I see a, I see a real challenge now with, with, user experience and, 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 the, and consumer experience kind of expectations of actually the app is becoming too complicated. It's got too many buttons on the left and it's got too many things for people to do. And, and it's exposing the whole of Office 365 and, and people aren't, you know, they're, they're just getting away from, well, there's my S drive with a bunch of folders and my Outlook with highly filed mails. And it's kind of, they're leaping into suddenly being light years ahead and it's, it's become a very difficult, difficult explanation, not about the features, but it just, you know, yeah. the simple clutter on the UI now is becoming quite dramatic. So do, 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 do the Teams engineering team hear this yeah. in other places or is, is you know, is yeah. it an aspiration to be one single pane? No, I'm not a fan of one single pane of glass. I don't like that phrase. Um, I don't think it represents our product properly. We are the hub for teamwork and we call ourselves that for a reason. Uh, and so the, I, the, the first paradigm you mentioned of Outlook on one pane window and, and Teams on another or for people 
people on their laptops, you know, flipping between them or on the mobile device. I think that is a real sustainable methodology because Teams actually increases, we see the value of the email you get because you move some of those kind of uh, day-to-day quick conversations into Teams around a project. But you spoke about something that's really important, the leadership role. So I'm a manager at Microsoft. I lead a bunch of stuff and I have this problem you speak of in terms of the complexities. Um, And it really comes down to team design. I really want people to understand that fewer teams is better. Bigger teams are better. Um, people have a tendency to make a team for everything. And, you know, and so the four of us are going to have a conversation and somebody spins up a team for it versus you having a team for your entire podcast production with different channels for different, you know, interviews you do and, um, and a promotions channel, right? I think the people are challenged by the way they're working. They're thinking very, um, uh, individually rather than organizationally. And this really makes the loop back to why IT engagement or business, you know, consulting uh, help is really needed uh, as organizations think about their design. I have a video out there on Coffee in the Cloud that speaks directly to this um, and gives examples of how to do that. And so from an engineering perspective and Teams Engineering, we would like to build and we'll be releasing more templates and examples about how to really structure those teams. Um, to talk about the the clutter, if you will, we, of course, don't feel like it's clutter. Um, we feel like people should use what they've paid for in Microsoft 365. I realize they don't, um, they may not have been exposed to it in the past, but we do have uh, application policies now that if for a certain uh, set of workers in your organization, you want to simplify that UI, you can configure those icons over in the left rail. Um, so that gives you some flexibility, like, for instance, your first line workers, there may be capabilities from that that left rail that your first line workers don't need. So you can simplify the UI in that way. You can also do that in the mobile device. But integration is not a bad thing fundamentally. We don't really get the feedback that it's cluttered or that it's difficult. We do get the feedback that people are realizing how much they didn't teach their users how to do. Um, And that's why we've created something like Microsoft 365 Learning Pathways so that they can provision that training site into their organization and help people on a task by task basis, learn more about how to do things in, in office 365. There are fundamental features of, of PowerPoint and word that people haven't learned Uh, functions of the spell checker functions of tables and formatting, you know, and they haven't had to, but actually once they do learn something like for instance, design ideas in PowerPoint, boy, does it increase the quality of your work? without you having to actually do it. So, you know, I realize it's a big leap for folks, um, but it's, there's a great value to it, right? Ultimately, this will speed their processes. And, you know, I'm not expecting folks to learn it to the depth that someone like any of us would, right? That's why we're professionals. And that's why they should engage with professionals like you. Get a partner to help you, right? There's lots of great MVPs in the world. There are many people who know how to do this for a living, and they can help the organization make it over that hump in ways that are relevant to that business. Right. So, you know, um, the last thing I'll say, though, is we are doing a lot of work around the organization of the team's experience. So 
Um, being able to have different types of channels, different types of posts, you know, you're going to see more of this uh, differentiation, I'll call it, between, uh, you know, chats and channels and the way that that can be organized in the UI. Um, because certainly we've had the feedback, once you become a member of more than 18 or 20 teams, kind of a tipping point, things start to get difficult for you. And we certainly know that. And so we're definitely working on, from an engineering and product perspective, you know, things that will help streamline that from that manager or leader perspective. The good news about me running the customer advocacy group and this team that I'm in for, for my boss, Alex Olson, um, is that all of us are pretty critical of the product internally, actually. <laughs> and we're I'm always going to those folks in the chat team and in the teams and channel team. They hate it when they see me sort of stalking them on the, on the floor there in engineering because I'm like, hey, when are you guys going to do this? <laughs> I need this. Help us out. Our customers need this, right? There's a lot of data we we use for that. So, so one good. feedback item for you at, at conferences the last couple of weeks, every developer I talk to who's uh, kicking the tires on the team's platform is intimately aware of these uh, policies and are lots of questions about how they're going to work. So uh, there's much adoption information you can provide around the policies is going to be widely appreciated for sure, because a lot of people are looking forward to those rolling out uh, on a broader scale. So absolutely. And they'll be able to find those articles on successwithteams.com. I actually think they're already there, but um, I'd love for you to take a gander at what's there and tell me if, if there's other stuff needed. We we definitely try to, between the, the Teams dev docs, the developer docs you can get to from Success with Teams and the actual product, you know, document usage, documentation, we try to be robust, but, you know, obviously we, we miss things sometimes. So I do so, think that uh, it'll be fun. So we talked earlier about um, needing to center business uh, adoption of teams on meeting business objectives, um, but also about the varied and extensive capabilities uh, that Microsoft Teams can, can deliver against. Is there a tension, positive or not, uh, between um, Microsoft's continued um, injection of new tooling and capability into the Teams platform and businesses' attempts to onboard? Because uh, if you were sort of, you know, lots of organizations um, are quite conservative uh, as they try to roll out. Um, some are, are very sort of wanting to get on top of it and make a start and they're the ones we end up working with and I think most partners end up working with and others stand on the edge very nervously and they see this product suite just getting richer and richer and richer um, so uh, that and that can be quite daunting I think for uh, people that haven't yet taken that step in do you see a tension there between the product doing more and people's ability to get on uh, get on the treadmill if you like or uh, do you see it as actually supportive of people's ability to uh, get value out of the platform early? Well, you know, I think that this is an age-old problem. I don't think it's about teams. I think it's about technology in general. Uh, technology does continue to evolve. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been in this collaboration business solution space for, for 25 years, 27 years now. Um, and every cycle, there's something new. So I would encourage people to look at their business and their performance results and their costs and decide what they want to do about that. Technology is going to be a tool that they can address their actual business problems with. And I hope that that gets them to join us on this journey. Um, but it is a journey for sure. Um, 
however, it happens to be a journey where there's lots of lots of people, uh, uh, you know, there to there to help them. I think that's a really important perspective because as soon as you do start trying to resolve a business problem rather than roll out technology, it does become easy to cherry pick the couple of things that any given team needs and to get them going on that. Um, so um, I, I share your thoughts that actually, uh, you know, this is something that can help people get on rather than necessarily be a barrier to adoption. Um, clearly, though, organisations who take a serviced approach to rolling out, which at the beginning um, you mentioned, yes. and I certainly agree with, is is not a very good way to approach things, that would lead you into mud quite quickly, because then you really are trying to teach people everything that a service can do, um, no, which I, I, without connection to the business. I don't think so. I, don't, I actually don't agree with that. I feel like um, you can take, you know, so I'm a big fan and writer about agile service management. So from an agile service management perspective, if I'm a service manager in IT and I'm accountable for, for instance, voice and video services or core collaboration, I'm going to have Office 365 rolled out. And if I've done well, then I've rolled out OneDrive and SharePoint and Teams simultaneously, right? They, they exist together, but I create that roadmap. There's an example roadmap in my course that talks about different, what I call service improvement projects. And you can look at a Teams rollout as essentially a collaboration services improvement project uh, by the time you roll out that client. So even if you aren't ready to engage with business and you don't have an executive sponsor and you don't know what business process you're going to improve, it won't get you into mud if you look at this as an improvement to your core services um, by getting everyone on a modern chat application or improving everyone's meeting experience. So there are initial phases you can do that will actually improve your quality of service metrics. Uh, and then you, but to get any further, to get any more business value, you have to go talk to business. So if you separate it like that and you want to be like from that core IT pro operations perspective, that, that service management perspective, there's a couple things that you can do that are really meaningful. Our improvement of the modern meeting experience uh, through Teams uh, over other products is, is quite impressive. So that's a good start. It's okay if you start there because that's what you were funded for and, and that's what people in your organization understand. They haven't stepped off that that sideline onto the improvement treadmill, as you, as you mentioned. Um, but pretty quickly, once they're on that treadmill, you know, if they understand the modern meeting experience and what chat can really do, they're going to start to get their own inspiration. And this I see quite often. Uh, people will do an IT rollout like that. They'll, they'll do chat and, and modern meetings. And then pretty soon business is knocking on their door. Hey, I was looking at some of these videos for teams and I think we could use it for foo. Will you help us? And I do think IT needs to be ready for that um, because I have also seen implementations where IT wasn't ready for the demand that teams generated by, by people out in their business who got inspired. Uh, and we may have a little something to do with that, <laughs> putting out all those videos and materials about what they can do. Uh, they start to come to IT and ask for that help. And that tension I've definitely seen where IT hasn't really been funded for that business engagement, um, but business is asking for that. And there can be a frustration if IT doesn't respond. Business will go off and hire their own person who may not know about the enterprise in general. So that's something that I feel like people need to be ready for. Um, and usually that's for me, that's a phase two or phase three 
kind of quality problem, but if it's not resolved quickly, it becomes a, a bad problem for IT. Do you think there's a difference between a quality, you know, you're talking about service upgrades where actually, um, you know, you can go from whatever, another platform, maybe Skype into using video and chat uh, mm -hmm. with Teams, for example. Do you think there's a difference between having it and using it? Because the sort of discussion we've been having is around adoption and uh, uh, there was almost an implication there that, you know, if, if you are upgrading from something else to Teams um, or, you know, an Office 365 service, you will get a level of ad adoption that you had from a previous, perhaps worse experience. But actually, certainly from the role that we've been involved with, often it's the case that where technically speaking, the uh, the new service does have more to offer. It is better, it is easier to use and so on. If the employee adoption of what's already there is bad, that doesn't necessarily get any better with the availability of a new platform and the adoption and onboarding is still required in order to get um, the footfall that everybody wants. Yes. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I'm thinking of scenarios where we are replacing Skype for Business Online or potentially a competitor. And if this is the only client you have for online meetings, and that is a part of your culture and you do online meetings all of the time, then you're going to have people using Teams because it's the only client available. Um, and we've done many, many of those implementations, including at Microsoft. And, you know, obviously uh, there's only a very, very small population of folks left who use Skype for Business Online at Microsoft. And so we have adoption in that core scenario. And because they no longer have the Skype for Business Online client, they're also using Teams for chat. So in that scenario, if people were already using Skype for Business Online and you're replacing it with Teams, that's where we've seen this situation come where people are, we do have parity in the adoption because they don't have the other product, but that's when the inspiration starts to hit. Because one thing I, I do notice is people don't really understand what persistent chat means until they use it. Because the conversation experience was so different in Skype for Business. You know, sometimes I have to remind them, it's like, look, you know how you can see that conversation with whoever you're texting with? You know, in people's personal life, they've already made this transition. They're already using messaging or chat apps in their personal life with their family. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't you do that in your workspace? And, and you know the benefit you get by seeing that conversation over time. Well, you can have that here, too. And so sometimes it's things like that, that, that people have to really get their hands on before they start to see it. And then you get what I like to call water cooler buzz. If your project and your transformation doesn't have positive water cooler buzz in the organization, whoever that water cooler may be, online, virtual, coffee pot, whatever, you know, you, you're fighting an uphill battle from an adoption standpoint, right? People need to say, hey, did you see that? That's kind of cool. And oh, did you go to that live event? Or I saw the video thing. I really like that. You need people to be saying things like that about your project. Um, and so you want that positive water cooler buzz. So that's where I am a fan of the big red button, right? Get, you know, pull the lever, get everyone in and then go from there. And on the subject of buzz, it would be wonderful if you could round us off with your top three 
wish list for uh, Microsoft Teams as a product. What are you hoping for? We all have our uh, hopes and needs. Uh, and uh, then also give us your prediction for 12 months time. Where are we going to be at? What are we going to be talking about? Oh, that's a great question. Let's see the top three things on my wish list. You know, um, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I, I love the thing. I think it's really cool. But the, the number one thing that I would wish for actually is greater connectivity across all the services in Office 365. Uh, I, I want a truly seamless experience between SharePoint and Forms and Flow and Power BI and Planner and all of that inside of Teams. From that teamwork productivity perspective, I want to be able to really change the experience even more than we have already. So that's number one. Number two, I would, I'm really excited to see uh, what the Teams and Channels folks are going to do to help me manage the more than 20 teams that I am in um, that doesn't include moving them <laughs> around without my permission. I want to organize my left rail of teams the way I want, and I want more control over that. And so um, they, I know that that's, that's in our future, and I think that that's really going to improve um, the experience for power users or managers and leaders you know, uh, in the product, which is a little bit different than than the mobile experience. And the last is that mobile experience. I really love the fact that the mobile app is so good. And I'd like to can to see um, continued, you know, mobile first investment that we've been doing. Um, we have so many more, you know, we have a lot of engineering resources in the mobile space in our product. And I love seeing that because that's really where I live. And so things like tenant switching, right? Multiple account logins, these sorts of things, like really streamlining that, making it super fast on mobile and on the desktop. That will, I think, help a lot of people. It may seem like a edge case, but as we move to the future, to your second question, a year from now, I want customers to not only be using Teams in their organization, but with their partners, with their customers. And that's why that tenant switching experience, being able to have multiple accounts, this sort of identity engineering is going to be fundamental to the imp improving that collaboration experience. Um, I do a lot of work in the partner, Microsoft partner space, and helping our own partners use Teams with their customers gives me a glimpse. I feel like those folks are on the, the cutting edge of this, gives me a glimpse of what any organization could do to transform its customer relationships uh, with the product and the way that it brings a product to market or handles customer service issues, these sorts of things. So I really predict that we're going to see um, more business process improvement, uh, more business to business use of teams, uh, more industry specific solutions we'll be delivering. And I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have one of the best jobs in the world because I get to work in a space that's evolving so quickly, but it brings together everything I've already loved uh, in one place. And I really feel like we're going to be able to help organizations know why they should join us on this journey. Like why you should do this is for your own business transformation. It isn't about our technology. It is absolutely about your objectives. And I want people to know that um, and know that we're here to help them. So I feel like that's uh, it's we're really that business to business space, though, I, I think is um, ripe for this sort of transformation and experience. And I think it's going to make it uh, 
It's going to make it a fun time for those of us here on the front lines in the trenches of adoption and training. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We know you're a very busy lady. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. And thank you for everything you're doing in this space. I know that all of you are working diligently out here with us. And we really appreciate your time and talent and uh, putting together shows like this. So thanks so much. You all have a great week. And thanks to your listeners. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-In365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.